This is a One More Mosh Pit production. Shit fire. I reckon it's time to answer the void. This is Zach, and this is a podcast I just did because I felt like I needed to put something out there. I've been lazy for a while, and I hadn't really been doing anything creative, so I just felt obligated to put this out, keep myself at like a status of where I'm putting stuff out. This is going to be an episode of Answer the Void. Welcome to Answer the Void. I'm here with my girlfriend, Stephanie. I feel like I got to explain everything every time because this may be the first episode somebody's listening to. A couple of years ago, I released this a couple of podcasts called Call of the Void and one very much later but I had named it Call of the Void after the sensation of when you're standing on top of a building or cliff or something like that and it's the um, just the brief feeling that you want to just throw yourself off of it it has nothing to do with suicidal ideation or anything like that it's just a weird thing your brain does you know like when you're driving your car and it's real curvy and you just have the sudden urge to jerk your wheel and fly or like off in front the of a semi or something or off a ravine yeah or you see like a kid riding their bike on the sidewalk next to you and just have this weird sudden urge to yeah hit them <laughs> by kid obviously i mean like a i don't know it's kid, it's like it makes you yeah. do, think of weird impulsive horrible things it's like it's just that not only like throwing yourself off a cliff or hitting a kid with your car but like wanting to throw your cell phone into the river or something like that it makes you think about doing really stupid shit like you're unloading the dishwasher and you're like i wonder how hard it would be to stab this knife into my stomach or something yeah it happens to everybody it has nothing to do with like mental illness or anything like that or like i said suicidal ideation which is if you have suicidal ideation you'll find that it becomes very mundane at a point and that's but i'm gonna keep going with this because i got something else i can say about it but for copyright reasons i changed the name from call of the void to answer the void because i thought i don't know maybe i had some really lofty thoughts some real pie in the sky shit where i thought this was going to actually take off and become something at certain points and so i changed the name so i could get like copyright and i changed 
changed the name, the overarching, you know, one more mosh pit. I changed it to that because I knew nobody had used that. I bought a URL, all this stuff, and well, I didn't really do anything with it. But now this is called Answer the Void because of that. So welcome if you're here your first time. I welcome you and thank you for listening and especially thank everybody who's been listening since the start. I really appreciate it. Also, I'm going to make a new disclaimer here to kind of cover my ass. Sounded like you said nudist. Nudist claimer. <laughs> a new disclaimer. I'm going to make outrageous jokes from time to time and bullshit, you know, and exaggerating it, not necessarily admitting to a crime. You know, I'm going to say wackadoo stuff. Like if I say something about murdering somebody or burying a body or something like that, it's jokes, people. Okay. I'm not admitting to a crime. Or if I say, like, I'm out on a meth frolic and I have little people dressed as cherubs throwing peeled grapes soaked in heroin at me that didn't really happen now did it i wish it did that sounds like a hell of a time but also if i say that and i make that blanket disclaimer at the beginning i can say stuff that really happened and it'll just slip right past you wasn't that wonderful idea yeah this podcast this particular one once again if you're one of the new people we have punch drunk podcast which is me and Vinny and lisa for a while it's been stephanie um i've had matt and other people be part of it so that's the big group podcast is what that one is but when i do this Mostly one just you and Vinny talking about wrestling and movies right and the other one i do is horrible history abridged if you want to check that one out if you like history and you like dick jokes you would like those two things together get some chocolate and your peanut butter that's something you might enjoy i'm gonna keep working on those that's both of us together <laughs> yeah. we do horrible history i did abridged. the donner party by myself and then I worked on the execution series for like a year and then that's when Stephanie came into the picture and she helped me out with that and you know really big help because it took me forever like I had those plans for a while and it took me forever to make that come to fruition and Stephanie really helped a lot on that and then there's this one there's other shit there's ones where I just read something in 10 parts I read Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas I read a couple of things from the internet out loud creepy pastas and copy pastas which we're going to get into that you just wait that's a big that's a favorite thing and i can't stress enough that these are copy pastas and creepy pastas and i'll explain once again what those are when we come to that bridge but i did not write these stories <laughs> so if you're the one of those people telling me hey man you should write a movie script about that one i didn't write it i didn't it's i'm just reading it i didn't write it it's not my original writing i didn't we're never actually visited by the mothman now you don't know that but yeah that one was the mothman was an original of mine and also the oilfield goat man that one's mine but like for the most part if i say it's a copy pasta or creepy pasta i'm just reading it okay also on tiktok i have like weird sporadic presence on social media <laughs> because tiktok I, I can't keep the vigor up to make videos and stuff every day it's just something i did whenever i was banned from facebook i'd make tiktok videos well i'm banned from facebook now again um that's a reoccurring thing i've been banned this is a relatively new this count isn't a year old i think i made it in january i've been banned yeah about seven times so like half the year i've been banned this last time i was on thin ice anyway you know because they know who i am now so they're gunning for me i went on this post by a group or page that is one of a more liberal 
double leaning so already i was playing with fire but i made a joke about like people were posting hey don't spray bleach on your pumpkins to preserve them use vinegar instead because squirrels and raccoons and possums blah 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 eat these things first of all i've read that you're not filling the thing with bleach it's not gonna it's not gonna kill that animal if they eat it later our water is sanitized and stuff like that cool water do you think kids drink on a daily basis right it's It's the same thing it's chlorine some people said well i use vinegar anyway but like that amount of bleach isn't going to affect those animals that much and then i said really i was like i live in the rural south and i eat most of these things so i'm not really that worried about a little bit of bleach getting on them i said i have I have a, of course, squirrels are my mortal enemy because they've filled my attic with pecans and I'm allergic to pecans. So like I was, I was allergic to my house for a little while. I didn't, I walked around in a Benadryl haze all the time. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Benadryl haze. Drinking too. If you're not familiar, if you take too much Benadryl, you can hallucinate. It's a dissociative and you, most people see spiders that it's not a good high, but like I was taking a low enough dose long enough that it affected my hypnagogic mania is something i have hypnagogic mania which is like your manic episodes get into your dreams so like it's kind of like sleep paralysis and you'll open up your eyes and you're not moving but like instead of sleep paralysis it was just like part where i was just falling asleep like for instance that window over there i saw somebody walk by it. Yeah, i was the window's like 12 feet off the ground so. yeah i was laying here and then somebody opened that door and like put their hand in and flicked the lighter and i saw that shit well, that could have just been one of your crazy exes. They're always sneaking into your house. Well, no. It, when I looked at it, I realized I shouldn't even have been seeing the door from that angle. Like, my whole, my brain just made yeah, the whole so thing up. Yeah, so you were up. having hallucinatory, like, dreams while you were awake. Right. But, anyhow, I said something like, I wouldn't give a shit. Hell, I'd go out with a super soaker full of bleach and shoot every squirrel I saw. And I got banned for that. You gotta put something instead of shoot. You have to... Right. I don't know. But it's, it's a silly imagery. There's a super soaker involved. <laughs> Why? I mean, the fuck, AIs aren't a fucking AI shouldn't be deciding the that AIs shit. AIs aren't looking at your imagery. They've got a list of trigger words, and they've got people like you that are on their short list. And the second you say one of those trigger words, shoot or beat or kill or dead or anything like that, it's gonna they're gonna get you flagged. So I'm banned from Facebook again. But on TikTok, I made a video about how like no longer deal with like mental health anymore and that's not necessarily true in my material i'm gonna still deal with it i'm just i don't want to help you i can't help you you're talking in reference just to the podcast you are dealing with your mental health in your personal yeah life. you're just to clarify yeah i'm dumping everything here you know this is my catharsis this is how this is one of the things i use to cope get your own thing this is how i deal with it i can't help people i mean i used to field a lot of messages from people about mental illness and try to help them but man i can past you know point you in the right direction that's the best i can tell you what you need to do but i can't i can't really help you you need to go to a professional for that and i'm dealing with a lot of shit on my own i can't help myself most of the time so so I'm not going to be talking anybody off a ledge anymore. And I know it sounds really ugly to say that, but like empathy, empathy. overload or oh, whatever. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I have a lot of empathy for people, and that's something that's going to be exploited and abused really easily. So that's why I really kind of want to get out of that game. Meanwhile, though, I can talk about how fucking crazy I am all I want. This is my fucking podcast. <laughs> I can do that. And this is one of the ways I used to deal with being nuts. Now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. And then I can archive it too, you know. And disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> Not admitting to any crimes that won't hold up in court. But yeah, so that's my mental health tirade. I can talk about being crazy some more here and there, but that's about all I'm going to cover on it right now. I've been going through a rough time lately because I had to go off my meds because I'm in a transitional period in my life right now to where I've, I'm less and less physical and I so that's what that's what's going on nothing's right i'm torn (laughs) so so yeah mental health i'll get back to you on that one but we got some fun stuff for you on this one i previously mentioned the creepy pastas so i'm gonna read you some spooky stories it's fucking halloween yeah let's get excited about that but things aren't the same as when i was younger you know you never really get into anything christmas you get a little bit older christmas loses all its charm and stuff like that it's not as neat as it used to be but well yeah i mean we're the adults that have to do the adult shit we're the one buying the presents now instead of getting them right the one having to make things fun and magical for the kids right but at a certain point you can still get kind of a jolly feeling here and there but it's just not the same and halloween halloween was my last one to go to where i was just like i can't i don't get excited anymore about it but it was like my favorite holiday and it was still you could still do all kinds of halloween stuff you could still eat a bunch of candy you could still dress up as an adult you can do whatever you want you know but it just doesn't feel i can't get hopped about anything and that may be because of my depression but yeah it's just you get older you you're not into stuff the magic isn't there of halloween and it's sad to me it's sad that i can't get into anything anymore oh i feel bad i didn't do any decorations or anything we've got halloween decorations in the shop but i didn't get them out well our regular decor is pretty spooky (laughs) yeah that's halloween themed kind of that's true but we have those cool inflatables that you know we were gonna put up in the yard that we put up last year that the kids really liked i mean i say cool they're just like jack skellington and what was the other one i think it was yoda with um a halloween bucket right yeah right so that was pretty cool Um, did i tell you at work the other day i was showing my boss a video of my kids and she was like "Ooh, what what are those scary masks that that are on the fireplace and she's like do you have those up all the time or is that a halloween thing and i'm like no that's that's all the time and she's like are you serious so yeah because that's so wild to have like uh, customized hockey masks crazy like of the friday the 13th (laughs) variety not like actual hockey but is that so wild Eh, it's just a design choice i mean is that decoration that's no dumber than the fucking eat, pray, love, live, no. laugh, love, horse shit. But. No, I told her you can't even see the little dioramas we have of Jason and, and Pamela Voorhees and Candyman and Leatherface. I need to get a Michael Myers at least one. We'll talk Do about you? 
Do you? Yeah, original 1978 Michael okay. Myers, not any of this other horse shit. Which movie did he have the, the mask with the pink hair? The pink hair? Oh, no, it was a pink mask with blonde hair. Yeah, because <laughs> they shot, for whatever dumb reason, they decided to have that mask. How did that, how did so many people check off on that, that one scene is fucking <laughs> Michael Myers with has blonde hair? Yeah, it's hair. just a very, very short part of a scene. It's well, not even the whole Well, fucking H. H2O, there's one scene where the mask is completely CGI because they didn't know what mask they were going to use when they they were shooting that scene, which is something you probably should have fucking figured out by then. You would think. Uh, but more on Halloween later. Yes, we'll see. We just that. saw Halloween ends a couple we weekends sure ago. sure did. You just wait. I'm oh, just now yeah. cooled off enough to talk about it. Um, But you didn't say Freddy. We need a Freddy. I've got a uh, Freddy. Figurine. There's a Freddy up there. Is there? Yeah. You remember? He was fighting the Freddy versus Jason, Jason. Yeah. You remember he had it, like, because I had him where he had his hands around his neck and it was, he yeah, raised his machete. Right. That's right. Yeah, so we got... I think we should get a, another Freddy, though. I need a pinhead. Yes, you do need a pinhead. I need. We sure. need a lament configuration to oh, sit on Oh, we do. Yeah, I've, I've had that in my Amazon cart a couple times and yeah. just got rid of it. But I yeah. guess we ought to watch the new new Hellraiser movie. Yeah, yeah, I've heard... I don't, I don't know, I've heard mixed. I've heard mixed reviews, and they've all been either really, really liked it or really, really didn't like it. I haven't heard any middle-of-the-road people. Or are, they didn't like it because the trans person was pinhead. I haven't heard anyone complain about that, but I think that I'm just not in the same Yeah, I've seen it circles. called woke bullshit and all that. Yeah, so. I, I don't think we're, we run in the same yeah, social a, media circles. Because everything's woke bullshit now. Well, I'm in all the woke bullshit yeah. groups, so, you know. Because it's all <laughs> anything that I don't like and complain about. That's the whole internet. It's just like, my, seat, my latent racism is It's just a bullhorn for like... People, it's not that like it's none of their fucking business, but they want to bitch about it. And people yeah. are crying about everybody. Somebody's ca- crying about like a casting they don't like all the time, and that's you know. And everybody always brings up how Michael Keaton was a great Batman, even though people thought it was dumb putting yeah. him in there. Or Heath Ledger as Joker. It's all Batman. Yeah, people will gripe about anything. You know, there's the real, real hot button issue of the Little Mermaid right. going on right now, which is just hilarious because. The whole story, The Little Mermaid, is all yeah. totally gay. It's a, like, gay, it is it is a gay fantasy. It was Hans Christian Andersen's, yeah. like, his own personal <laughs> yeah, he wish was, to be part of, he part of to the be gay world. with a man. He was a yeah. bisexual, or he may have been gay and just tried to fake it for a while. But, yeah, it's like a love letter to, like, wanting to be with a man. So, and basically, he was a fish out of water. So, whining <laughs> about Ariel being black is like wow yeah if you want to be if you want to bitch about shit like that you need to go at it at a deeper level yeah you don't know also it's a little mermaid it's who a, gives it's a, a mermaid. Fuck? it's a mythical creature <laughs> it's a you don't know it's what a mer- movie for little girls why are 
are their grown ass man bitching about it all over the internet? It's just fun. I don't think mermaids would look anything like that if they were real. They would be very terrifying. They should have made mean, it a horror movie. I imagine them more like the the mermaid from um, Cabin in the Woods at the end of the, the movie when the mermaid comes out. Very terrifying, and I think that's probably what it would be like. Well, we've been bullshitting for over twenty minutes now. So we have actual plan. Here yeah, we have. A I do. I have like <laughs> you clearly see this notebook sitting in front of I, me. That does not look like <laughs> it's English it's words writing to me. It's words. Anyway, uh, I mentioned creepy pastas earlier and copy pastas. Pastas creepy or otherwise. I have to explain what a copy pasta is. A story on the internet. You know, like you used to forward chain letters and shit like that. It's it's copy and paste copy pasta so that you copy and paste this text and you post it somewhere else on a forum or in an email to somebody and then there's the creepy variety which they call creepy pastas which a lot of people my age and older would know a lot of these stories as urban legends you know like the dude under the hell i got an email or like saw somebody post on facebook not long ago about the dude hiding under the car and slashing people's ankles and stuff like that and that one's been around since like the 80s at least people were passing around that printed off you know but it's stuff like the hook in the door and all that shit it's those but like topped out on the internet and copy and pasted and you know it's a storytelling passing stories around and there are plenty of new ones that come out that not they're not all just the old urban legends that we've all heard a yeah. hundred times. A lot of the new ones that come off are like <laughs> fiction. They're just short stories people have written and I don't know why they get lumped in with creepypasta. This one, this one's a classic one and it's too long. It's really too long to fit the criteria when I think about a creepypasta, but this one's one of the classics. This is one of the OGs and I'm almost 98% sure I didn't read it on one of the previous creepypastas. I don't know. I never listened to your shows, so. Okay. I think you actually edited one of those episodes, but whatever. I did, yeah, but I don't it, I don't think it had the Russian sleep. My shit all runs together. You've read me the Russian sleep experiment. I've heard other, you know, I've heard the story before, so my mind just is like, I don't know when or where, or was it part of a podcast, or was well, it? Yeah, I'm going to read some that you've heard. I'm going to read some that you haven't heard, and I'm going to read one. One that I haven't read, so I'm going to react to it live. We'll do it live! Fuck it! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Fucking thing sucks! Oh but you can comment all you want. Huh? I am just full of anticipation. Let's and I, go. I've got plenty of these lined up because I'm padding this whole thing with you know, other people's <laughs> material. I've got plenty of stuff I could talk about, but like there's a lot of things I can't talk about. So I'm just going to fill it with creepy pastas and copy pastas. So here we go. This one is the Russian sleep experiment. This is a classic. It's a good one. Yeah. So chime in whenever you got a question. No continuity question or stuff you will overthink everything but like <laughs> if you've got something I have, relevant I, I to do contribute, have a problem no 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 no. it's fine if I there's know. some kind of slot plot hole whatsoever <laughs> you will go into a fucking I, reasoning spiral i can't help it my brain wants to make things make sense but no i i'm not going to try to look for any rhyme so or reason limit to your limit to your, yourself to five <laughs> to five 
<laughs> okay, and uh, listeners, if you have any questions while we're reading this, just just call in live. Let's go. <laughs> Dr. Fraser Crane is here to listen. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take some calls, and then we're going to get the lead out. Oh, God. <laughs> you uh, might do the six-pack at six yeah. later. Mandatory Metallica. The Russian sleep experiment. This one's pretty long, like I said, so I'm just going to kind of rush through it. So just kind of pay attention. Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they had only microphones and five-inch thick glass porthole-sized windows in the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water, and a toilet, and enough dried food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past, and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering to the microphones and one-way mirror portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think that they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects, in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly, yelling at the top of his lungs for three hours straight. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce occasional squeaks. So this is basically when you have, like, when you're super manic and don't sleep for a few days. <laughs> yeah, is, pretty much. That's what, okay. that's what it is. This is what happens it's every just, couple of months. It's just gaseous manic. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cord. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the book apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones. After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five men must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the the captives. They used the intercom inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives they were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. Lies. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase and a calm voice response. We no longer want to be freed. 
Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air and immediately voices from the microphone began to object. Three different voices began begging as if pleading for the life of loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and the soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state that any of them were in life. The food rations past day five had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects Subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies. The destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand, not with teeth as the researchers initially thought. Closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most, if not all, of them were self-inflicted. So I'm imagining these guys look like a dead fish that's been floating and other fish have been eating it. It's okay to eat fish Cause they don't have any feelings Yeah, and pretty it's much. Just all, they're all like pale and gross and slimy like a bunch of cave salamanders and then they've just got these massive open wounds. The abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four test subjects had been removed. While the heart, lungs, and diaphragm remained in place, the skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They just had been taken out and laid out on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out. Another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subjects' teeth. Another five of the soldiers lost their lives if you count ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than 10 times the human dose of morphine derivative and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. Why would they give him that much morphine? Yeah, why are they not giving him a sedative? Yeah, that... I know it's Russia and they're probably real sloppy. They probably gave him crocodile 
You know what crocodile no, is? <laughs> we may do a show about it or it'll be a segment on the show, but cool. we'll talk about crocodile. This story is so brutal. Could you imagine hearing this for the first time if you were like a teenager and you've never read anything else like this? And This sounds like, like something it is a teenager so, wrote. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is so over the top. and It's edgy. Epic. Like Edgelord bullshit. I mean, it's pretty well written, but could you imagine being 14 and you're just trying to see what fucked up shit you can find on the internet and like coming across this and be like, oh my god, this is... Oh, this is tame as fuck compared to like most of the shit we were looking at back in the day. We were looking at Rotten.com oh, yeah, and stuff yeah, like I that. Yeah, I was in a computer kit. I wasn't allowed access to our home computer. Yeah, because we, we got a home computer when I was 14. Yeah, so my mom had one, time. but it was she did taxes, so I wasn't allowed to use her work computer. So yeah, I missed out on a lot of that early internet culture. Well, there's internet historians all over YouTube that'll tell you all about it. I don't care, though. (laughs) (laughs) You tell me enough, and then... That's cool. If there's something disturbing enough worth mentioning, I'll mention it. Yeah. Okay. When his heart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he had bled out to the point that there was more air in his vascular system than blood, it would have lost prime and it wouldn't have done anything. I mean, you have like a pulmonary embolism or something. Like, that's... Anyway. You told me not to get into the plot holes. Let's keep moving here. Okay. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach and just repeating the word more over and over weaker and weaker until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility. The two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas, demanding to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room that the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back within his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative that they had given him to prepare him for the surgery. He fought furiously against the restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear most of the way through a four-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even through the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under, and the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed, his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test, subject that died on the operating table, it was found that his blood had tripled the normal level of oxygen. His muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn, and he had broken nine bones in the struggle to not be subdued. Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords destroyed, he was unable to beg or object to surgery, and he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly they try the surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it shouldn't be medically possible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. 
When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and a pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subject could only follow the attending researchers with his eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak, they were again asking for the stimulant gas. The researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves, why they had ripped out their own guts, and why they wanted to be given the gas again. Only one response was given. I must remain awake. All three subjects' restraints were reinforced, and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as to what should be done with them. The researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of the project considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer, who was ex-KGB, instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected, but were overruled. In preparation for being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going back on the gas. It was obvious that at this point all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously. The mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might, first left, then right, then left again, for something to focus on. The remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly. Having been the first to be wired for EEG, most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves and surprise. They were normal most of the time, but sometimes flatlined inexplicably. It looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the new brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brain waves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brain waves showed the same flat as one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside as well as three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed his gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to the bed as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you, he screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you, he demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We 
are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher paused, then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out. So nearly free. And that's the Russian sleep experiment. I gotta say, it's kind of one of those situations like a lot of movies and books that are like, wow, this is really cool. And then for somehow the end just kind of deflates it all. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking like a deflating condom or something. Yeah, so nearly free. Just like, well, that. Yeah, then none of this shit happens. Well, yeah. Obviously, but even for like Russia or them a lot for being just like having no regard for human life yeah. and stuff like that. It's even wacky and outlandish for them to be Russians, even. Yeah, I guess. It's just vague enough, but also so detailed. Well, you know, the Germans had like in Mangala oh, and I all know. them had shit going on like this, like making math back in the day. No, <laughs> doing all kinds of human experiments. So it's not far fetched in that way but just how grotesque the test subjects the the war criminals or whatever what they did to themselves it's like oh oh okay so this dude ripped through a leather strap with one hand right. existing solely on feats. his own flesh being and, yeah ripping their own guts out and just and, laying them out yeah, yeah and a, then then he hasn't eaten anything except his own thigh muscle it's or too ridiculous so. it's uh, that's very, the thing it's like it's like and they ripped all their guts out and laid them out. You can do horrible things like that, but like whoever wrote this went real far with it, real far out but on the even gore with and with all the grammatical errors, and it's a good story. Yeah, yeah. It's just, we're just saying there's no doubt that people throughout history and still today have done horrible things to other people in the names of military science, like Unit 731. That's one of those things where I wanted to do a podcast about it, but I can't make anything fun. It's just so fucking horrible. So look into that one for yourself. We get horrible, but only if we can have a little fun. Like I'm talking like wacky stuff. Unit 731, they like freeze the guy's arm so they can like hit it with a hammer or bold the skin of his arm. So shit like that. Just like really. We just stole that from Jason X. No, that's actually a fucking thing they did. Have you ever seen any of the experiments? I didn't say he got a lady and, like, froze her head with liquid nitrogen and then, like, broke her head on the table. That's this dude's arm. Get it right. <laughs> Wasn't there a guy, was it that movie, was it, that the guy's arm gets frozen and breaks off? Oh, that's Snowpiercer. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. All right, this one's shorter. I'm not sure I remember this one. It's weird. It's called The Woman in the Oven. I don't think I've heard this one. During the summer of 1983, in a quiet town near Minneapolis, Minnesota, the charred body of a woman was found inside the kitchen stove of a small farmhouse. A video camera was also found in the kitchen, standing on a tripod, pointing at the oven. No tape was found inside the camera at the time. Although the scene was originally labeled as a homicide by police, an unmarked VHS tape 
was later discovered at the bottom of the farm's well, which had apparently dried up earlier that year. Despite its worn condition and the fact that it contained no audio, police were still able to view the contents of the tape. It depicted a woman recording herself in front of a video camera, seemingly using the same camera that the police found in the kitchen. After positioning the camera to include both her and her kitchen stove in its view, she turned on the oven, opened the door, crawled inside, and then closed the door behind her. After eight minutes into the video, the oven could be seen shaking violently. At this point, thick black smoke emanated from it. For the remaining 45 minutes of the video until the batteries in the camera died, it remained in its stationary position. To avoid disturbing the local community, the police never released any information about the tape or even the fact that it was found. Police were also not able to determine who put the tape in the well or why the height and stature of the woman in the video did not come close to matching the body that they had found in the oven. That's stupid. There's your little plot twist What there. the fuck? Why didn't they admit that part? It's weird enough and mysterious of how yeah. this all happened. Why'd they have to make the person in the oven... Somebody else. Yeah. Which is charred remains. Yeah, it's going to be different, for one. I mean, how did they determine it was that different? Well, it sounds like it's like the Mr. Hand video. Right. Where it's like, yeah, that's probably him getting fucked by that horse. But yeah. uh, but it's probably not the time that he actually died. So, right. there's a video of her. Maybe this isn't the first person that was cooked in that oven. Maybe she has a cult and, and they all go... Kill themselves in the oven, like oven on mid- midsummer when the old people just jump off the cliff. Oh, sorry, spoiler alert. They get really old, and it's like, well, it's your time to die, so go lock yourself in this oven and record it. Okay, I think so that's what happened. It's Scandinavian probably. oven death. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. It's the the bloodline of the witch that got cooked by Hansel and Gretel. Like this is how they pay penance for the rest of their lives. They yeah, this is their hell. Yeah, they have to cook themselves in the oven. Okay, this one I have never read. I had read the oven one before, but this one is one I haven't read, and it was suggested as a good short creepypasta. So it may be shitty, who knows. <laughs> but I've also seen, when I was Googling it, I saw somebody had searched uh, Dirty Window Creepypasta Explained. So <laughs> this one may be a little confusing. It may be a little murky. I don't know, but yeah. here we go. Ambiguous. Dirty Window. I wasn't sure where to start. My father had lived in this old shack of a house for his entire adult life. In his later years, he'd gone fully around the bend, Old trash, bottles mostly, lay scattered here and there. A few of the walls were peeling and cracking. Water stains blotted the roof. I could scarcely believe the old man had actually existed within this space. I was simultaneously guilty I'd never visited him, and very, very relieved I hadn't. The window. That's where I finally began. The window in the rear bedroom seemed like something I could handle at the moment. With a rag and some orange-scented spray, I set to work. Ages of dark grime and hardened clusters of mold stripped off the window in large flakes. I let them fall to the floor because I'd have to clean that thoroughly as well. I scrubbed down one panel, then the next, then the third. Each one seemed to be more difficult to clean than the last. Howdy, neighbor, the voice gave me a start. I jumped back from the window as a tall man in a ball cap and thick, scruffy beard appeared behind the glass. 
Who the hell are you? I demanded, still dealing with the surprise. The bearded man laughed, his fat stomach jiggling behind his flannel shirt. Calling you neighbor didn't give it away, huh? He smirked. The name's Sal. Sal Bunchkin. Like Munchkin, but a bunch of them. He laughed again, but all I could do was study his laugh-lined face with just distrust. What do you want? I asked. Wow, direct, aren't you? He stepped up to the window and leaned on the sill, arms folded. Just wanted to welcome you to the neighborhood. I saw someone new was rummaging around this old house and figured it was worth checking into. Behind the man, behind Sal, the perfect green grass and healthy tree line painted the perfect image of rural paradise. The trees rustled gently in the breeze and birds circled in the summer sky. So you the old man's kid? He scratched his beard absently. Didn't see him much, you know, later on. I suppose you didn't. I looked to the small pile of grimy mess I'd recently freed from the glass surface. Are you all right in there, Sal asked? Yeah, I replied. Listen, I should get back to work. Sal gave an understanding nod and removed himself from the sill with a chuckle. Well, good meeting you. Hope you're sticking around for a while. He gave a wave and walked off to the side. I stood there for a few moments, unaware of anything but the view through the window and dancing light it cast into the room. I couldn't have even told you if I was breathing. Gathering my wits... I cautiously walked to the window and picked it up off the floor. Into the closet it went. Okay, so the guy's crazy or something? So the guy, the window was on the floor, so it was a floor person? Shit, I guess, I don't know. And it's Bunchkin, so there's a lot of little floor people living under that man's father's home. That was... Interesting. God, these are dumb. A, a lot of creepy pastas are bad. Most ninety-eight <laughs> percent of them are bad. The ones that are good, probably not even that good. There's like even like collections of bad creepy pasta. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, people started writing it badly on purpose. Yeah, and so it's got its own place. And there well, are a lot of people that you can tell English is not their first language, or these creepy pastas have been run through some type of translator that is losing a lot of stuff in translation or just written in such haste yeah and like (laughs) and submit no not even rereading it so stephanie is going to do the honors here of reading this classic like i think this one was actually longer yeah it was actually longer and it was uh engineered into even a shorter bad creepy pasta so this one's a classic stephanie's going to do the honors Okay, so I think this one can strike a nerve with anybody. You're with your honey and you're making out when the phone rings. You answer it and the voice is, what are you doing with my daughter? You tell your girl and she say, my dad is dead. Then who was phone? Then who was phone? Then who the fuck was phone? Yeah, this one's the classic. They didn't think this out. Um, Here's the original version. This version is far less known, but apparently predates the above version. Okay, so basically it's like this. You are at a friend's house for like the night or whatever, and then you guys are making out on the couch. Yeah. And then like her dad calls on the phone and says, no, she likes it more if you use the other hand yeah and you're all like oh dude your dad is trying to give me advice on how to diddle you and then she's like i don't have a dad or whatever but what who was phone 
So, yeah, that was the unabridged version. Yeah, I did not think the abridged version could possibly be better than anything, but I think it was good to cut that down a little bit. you got to read this for yourself. Like, there's so many misspellings and, like, you spelled with just the letter U. Yeah, and and dad is dead. Dad is (laughs) D-E-D. So, you're with your honey and you're making out when the phone rings. You answer it and the voice is, what are you doing with my daughter? You tell your girl and she say, my dad is dead, then who was phone? It's a modern classic because that's really the big question in life is, who was phone? Uh, these are, I'm going to get into some, like I said, I've explained copy pasta at length. So, I mean, you got the idea. Um, there's some that, like I said, there's some that's just, they're just, you know, regular stories, copy and pasted or funny stuff like that. This one's one of my favorites. I've seen it plastered places before. Now I got two of them. They're about meeting celebrities. So, like, you can interchange the names if you want. Do it for somebody else. But this one's about wrestler Shawn Michaels, and that's how it originally showed up. I met Shawn Michaels at a restaurant once. We'd accidentally been given his table. Apparently, he was fond of the restaurant and had a specific table he liked. And the management had messed up and gotten their days wrong. It was Tuesday, and they thought he was coming in Thursday or something like that. Anyway, the manager, completely embarrassed, this is a pretty nice restaurant, comes by and says, I'm so sorry but we'd like to move you to another table if you could be troubled and we'll gladly compensate you for the cost of the meal and any other meal you'd like while you're in town. My sister and cousin were both like, yeah, that's cool. And I kind of played the asshole a bit. I'm sorry, I just don't understand. We've been here for 15 minutes. We've just ordered. Can't we finish our meal here? Then out of nowhere, Shawn Michaels shows up next to the manager and says, Paul, these guys can finish. We'll be at the bar. I got some time. And I, being a big HBK fan, said, oh, wow, uh, I had no idea. Please feel free to give them the table. Shawn was grateful, shook my hand and said thanks, then gave me a card with his number on it and told me to give him a call later. After working up the nerve, I gave him a call that night, and to make a long story short, we had a glorious 11-month love affair, man on man, that I shall never forget. Our bodies intertwined as one, and from the beauty of Morocco to the French Riviera to the snorkeling in the Galapagos, Shawn Michaels and I made glorious gay love to each other on six of the seven continents. (laughs) Would this be, is this what they call a meat cute? Yeah. Yeah, that would be a meat cube. Trying to say a meat cube, like a little meat? cube of meat. That's a heartwarming story. Oh yeah, that's that one's wonderful. Here's another one that's not. <laughs> as you, yeah, fill in the blank. You know, if you've got someone you'd prefer to imagine in that scenario over Shawn Michaels, just stick them in there and have a nice little mental movie. Yeah, this one this one is I originally saw it as Keanu Reeves, so that's how I'm gonna read it. I saw Keanu Reeves at a grocery store in DC yesterday. I told him how cool it was to meet him in person, but I didn't want to be a douche and bother him and ask him for photos or anything. He said, Oh, like you're doing now? And I was taken aback and all I could say was huh? But he kept cutting me off and going, Huh, huh, huh <laughs> and closing his hand shut in front of my face. <laughs> I walked away and continued with my shopping, and I heard him chuckle as I walked off. When I came to pay for my stuff up front, I saw him trying to walk out of the doors with like 15 Milky Ways in his hands without paying. 
<laughs> the girl at the counter was very nice about it and professional and was like, sir, you need to pay for those first. At first, he kept pretending to be tired and not hear her, but eventually <laughs> turned back around and brought them to the counter. Oh, God, I'm so tired. Don't you hate when you're so tired you just can't <laughs> yeah, hear can't somebody hear. yelling at you? <laughs> when she took one of the bars and started scanning it multiple times, he stopped her and told her to scan them each individually to prevent <laughs> any electrical infederance. <laughs> and then turned around and winked at me. I don't even think that's a word. After she scanned each bar and put them in a bag and started to say the price, he kept interrupting her by yawning really loudly. <laughs> <laughs> After paying for the Milky Way, he proceeded to leave the store and throw all of them into the garbage. <laughs> I haven't seen him since. So, yeah, well, that's that a that's a fun yesterday. One. I mean, you you think you're going to just see him every day, multiple times a day? So that happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's yeah. magical. I like that. Okay, this one I found in form of a green text on 4chan. So this, this is, one's a good this one. This is all like a foreign language to me. I don't know anything about. Okay, 4chan. I've explained what 4chan is. Don't go to 4chan. It's a forum, but it's a butthole of the internet, though. <laughs> you can find some gold, but like most of it's shit or fucking gore or porn you're not supposed to look at. Yeah. Or porn you just otherwise don't want to look at. But anyway, all right. You see this picture of this fella sitting here, and he's got, a, I guess, a system of a down shirt on. Is that so. Willard? No, it's not. Just, oh, okay. Just take a look at him. Okay. Okay, he's just like this high school metal guy sitting there. But he has a thinner part, and it's all like yeah, it's all slicked down. It's which one of the Stooges had their hair? He's got a ponytail though, so it's like yeah, you can see his hair in the back. Okay, but anyway, that's like a a fucking dweeb. Yeah, none of it's relevant. (laughs) But that's a picture that was posted. Huge metal fan Mm. in high school still math class. Nine out of ten girl sits next to me. I mean, she's hot. Turns me on so much. She doesn't notice me, though. Try really hard to impress her. She's so hot. Teacher passing back last week's test. Nine out of ten looks over at me. Starts smiling and playing with her hair. I'm spinning. I can't handle it. Teacher trips over me. I break down. I stop spinning. Nine out of ten frowns. Looks back at the front of the room. I'm trying too hard to keep cool. I have no power. Teacher plugs me back in. Start spinning again. I am a huge metal fan. Okay. So it's a bait wow. and switch. Yeah. That's what... He's talking about spinning and... Yeah. I thought it was, uh, you know, metaphorical, but then the teacher tripped over me and yeah. set me back up and it's like, okay, this is... Okay, okay. this one... This one's fun. Girlfriend, GF is prego. We like to get kinky anyways. One night, things get particularly saucy. I'm sticking my noodle in her when I notice weird fucking chunks coming out. So I turn on the lights. WTF, it's red everywhere, and she's obviously not on her period. I look up at her. She's got a glassy, jarred look on her face, and she's not answering. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I rush her into the car and speed all the way to the hospital. She's still bleeding everywhere. By the time we get there, she's not bleeding much more, but all color has drained, and she looks colorless and almost transparent. Oh, shit. She looks like she's in a vegetative state. Storm into the emergency room. Carry her to the nearest doctor and explain everything. He takes one look at her and says, Sir, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. 
Why the fuck not? We don't operate on empty jars of spaghetti sauce. My face win. Wow. Huh. Okay. My girlfriend is prego. Yeah, his girlfriend's prego. And that's, yeah, the whole whole thing. Yeah, that's that's what a lot of those are like. Sticks his noodle in. Before we get out of the whole spooky spaghetti part of it, I'm going to read two. And they're part of the same series. I'm not going to tell you what they're called because it'll give away the first thing. You'll figure it out anyway, but... Oh, boy. This one's fun. All righty. This is part one. One night, I had a tough time falling asleep, so I decided to take a stroll through the woods. And little did I know it was only the beginning of the nightmare that is now my life. It was around 1.45 a.m., a brisk night, a still night. Armed with my flashlight, I walked straight into the forest on the outskirts of town. In hindsight, I should have noticed how quiet it was, especially for it being a forest in the summer. I should have noticed the lack of any noise there wasn't even a breeze suddenly there was the sound of branches breaking as if someone were tearing them straight off the trees i panicked thinking there could be a bear or some other horrible creature ready to pounce little did i know it was something so much worse than that something far worse i stopped walking and i cocked my head to the side hoping to hear the sound of footsteps so i would know which way to run if it came to that i also picked up a couple of loose stones from the ground mostly just to calm my nerves a loud woo <laughs> obliterated the silence. It sounded as if Ric Flair had a throat lubricated with bacon grease. I could almost smell the noise. I flipped the switch on my flashlight to try and hide my location. A loud thumping accompanied the noise, and in the light of the full moon, I saw a human shape come around a tree in front of me. It was about 15 feet away and nearly 6 feet in height. I heard a loud sniffing sound and I could see the outlines of its head turn my way. It started coming closer and I started to feel adrenaline pump into my system. I turned tail and ran. I was sprinting as fast as I could and this guy was easily keeping pace with me. I tripped and rolled onto my back knowing that in only a few moments my life would be over. As a last ditch effort, I decided to turn my light back on and maybe blind my pursuer. I waved the flashlight around wildly hoping to catch his eyes in the light. Large black eyes reflected back and I nearly peed my pants thinking for a moment that I was looking at some extraterrestrial being. Once I took a moment though, I realized that it was sunglasses. Who would wear sunglasses while in the forest at 2 a.m.? Why would anyone do that? I took in the rest of this guy's outfit, track pants, snakeskin boots, and a bright green bowler shirt with an embroidered flames rising up from the bottom. The shirt was also streaked with some dark liquid that I couldn't identify. I raised the light back up to the man's head. He had a black goatee with a bleach streak down the middle, like a racing stripe, and bleached spiky hair on top of his head. He looked weirdly familiar, like I had seen him somewhere before, maybe at the local racetrack. Maybe he had passed in the street or something. I couldn't place him. He started to giggle as he approached me and opened his mouth. Without moving his lips, I heard this sentence emanate from him. You're taking the gobble full throttle, he charged after that. Still laying prone on the ground, there was little defense as he belly flopped on top of me like an inept diver. The wind was very nearly knocked out of me and he tried to pin me down. I grabbed a hold of his arms and realized that they were also covered with the same dark liquid that was on his shirt. It was barbecue sauce. I screamed and he yelled, The sauce is money! 
and with a sudden movement bit deep into my shoulder, tearing a chunk out of my muscle. He twisted his head from side to side like an alligator and pulled his head back. He swallowed my flesh as I laid there sobbing, knowing that my life was over. I could feel the lifeblood pumping out of my shoulder with each beat of my heart. He made a smacking sound with his lips and said, I could put this on a flip-flop and it would taste good. He then then climbed off of me and flipped his sunglasses to the back of his head. I had a moment of clarity and realized this man, this monster, was Guy Fieri. (laughs) He looked me dead in the eye and said, Now that you bear my mark, you shall walk the earth for all eternity. You will haunt diners, drive-ins, and dives until the sun burns out and no life is left on this planet. I'm driving the bus to Flavortown and you're coming along for the ride. Love, peace, and taco grease. And with that, he let out a long, bubbling sigh. His body started to shake and convulse and I noticed that his skin and clothes were slothing off, falling in chunks to the forest floor where it started to sink into the dirt. Soon, only a skeleton remained, and that too crumbled away. I forgot all about my shoulder as a new and horrible agony racked my body, causing me to twist onto my side and curl into the fetal position. I puked uncontrollably and shook. It felt as though my skin was splitting. The dropped flashlight illuminated my body as I looked down and saw that I was correct. Huge splits were running down my arms, and it felt like the same could be happening on my legs. The splits, I could see something bright yellow, but I couldn't make it out. A fresh wave of pain hit me. My head seemed to stretch and bulge as something forced itself out of the back of my neck. I was on the ground screaming for what seemed like hours. At some point, I blacked out. I awoke and realized that my voice had completely been destroyed from the screaming, but I also realized the pain had started to subside. I looked around and saw my skin and clothes littering the ground around me as if I had cast them off. I felt my face and realized I had grown a goatee and sunglasses were now sitting on the back of my head, snugly. I stared down at my arms and saw tattoos that were never there before. Framing my arms was a yellow short-sleeved shirt with flames printed on the sleeves and bottom. It hit me like a ton of bricks. My worst nightmare had come true. I was Guy Fieri now. Uh, you like that one. It was a were guy. Were <laughs> guy. Were Fieri. I don't know. Guy Fieri is giving a lot of shit, but he's like a I've heard he's good a guy. really great guy. Yeah. No cap. He, he No cap. No cap dog. Yeah, he's like a really good guy, but like he just <laughs> I don't know, dresses unfortunately. Well, he's just a little over the top, you know. He just he does what makes him happy. And fuck anybody who isn't cool with that. He ain't hurting nobody. Right. Now, of course, if he ever gets me tooed or something like that, then... Yeah, we'll have to come back and say, yeah, <sighs> we didn't know well, Guy Fieri was them. a piece of shit. We didn't know. I'm going to say most people are a piece of shit, but if I say somebody's a pretty decent guy, that's pretty high praise. It really is. It means a lot, because, yeah, yeah, pretty much everybody else is a piece of shit to you. Okay. Well... There's a sequel. Ooh. This is My Curse, My Flavor Town 2, Flavor Bound. <laughs> I sat on the floor of my kitchen in a circle of candles, wreathed in the shifting, flickering light I was working on opening the device. It was triangular in shape and made of wood or metal. It was tough to say. The puzzle had what appeared to be representations of pepperoni and cheese on it. Somehow I had to reconfigure this into a pizza slice. 
and I wanted to open the portal to Flavortown. Hours passed. I was making progress, twisting a pepperoni here and realigning some cheese there. I moved my fingers along the crust and almost imperceptibly, I felt a click. I knew I was almost there. I spun the crust around and suddenly I heard this tolling of distant bells, taco bells, and a glowing almost neon blue light starting to pour in from nearly every crack and seam in the room. I heard the cans of Mountain Dew in my fridge explode. The various bags of chips and other junk food started throbbing and pulsing. They too eventually burst open. I turned to my right and suddenly there was an open doorway where just seconds ago there was a blank wall. Fog filled it and it was lit by the same blue light. I couldn't make out anything past the entrance but I knew this was my ticket to Flavortown. A man-sized shape formed in the fog that I could barely make out. It started to approach me and eventually stepped into the kitchen. The stories were true. The pizza puzzle had been solved and the mayor of Flavortown himself, Guy Fietti, was now in my house. He looked different. He wasn't wearing the bowling shirt. Instead, he had on some kind of latex and leather contraption that did not fit him in the least. He was pouring out of the outfit, his blubber bursting through small square holes. It almost looked like the holes were purposely tightened around the flesh as blood leaked from them and the skin was blackened, as if dead. He had his trademark sunglasses on and the same hair, but his overall skin tone was now bluish gray. He had spatulas and other cooking implements tied around his considerable waist. What are you? I asked. An explorer in the further regions of taste. A demon to some, angel to others. He took a step towards me and extended his hand. Come, you solved the slice. You must come with me and taste our pleasures. I declined to take his hand, but I followed him nonetheless. We walked for what seemed like eons through labyrinthine corridors. My sense of smell was being constantly assaulted by new and varied scents. Some amazing, some so bad I couldn't even imagine what they could be coming from. The corridor finally opened up into a wide plateau. Above everything, there was a gigantic floating burrito. It was impossibly large and could be the origin of the various food smells. Flavortown seemed like it would be a lot nicer than this when I heard the stories. The burrito let out a loud blast of sound almost like some kind of foghorn. My mind could barely comprehend what I was seeing. Oh my God, I muttered. No, this is mine. The God I serve in this world and yours. The God of flavor, hunger, and grease. My God, Berethon, Lord of Flavortown. I gasped for air. The stench of this massive, shifting burrito was starting to overpower me, starting to make me have flashbacks of meals past. This is what you wanted. This is what you wanted to taste, to smell. You wanted a one-way ticket to Flavortown, and now you have one. Guy shouted and chuckled. Behind me, I heard a noise like greased-up ball bearings moving a slab of wood. Guy took a step towards me and declared, My God wants someone to taste what it's created, and I brought you. He shoved me hard in the chest, and I fell back immediately, landing in what appeared to be an open, upright coffin of some kind. Something restrained my arms and legs. I had a split second to look down and saw oversized forks and spoons holding me in place. 
A sharp stabbing pain erupted from my side and I saw a tube full of what looked like Crisco impaling my side, pumping me full of the substance. More spoons and forks held my head in place with my mouth open. An arm made of what looked to be sausage and bacon dropped down in front of my face, jamming itself down my throat. I couldn't breathe. The smells and pain were overwhelming. I blacked out. I awoke being held at a 45 degree angle, still restrained, although now with my head free to look around for all the good that did me. The room was nearly pitch black. Guy approached me with a grin, plastered on his cold face. He removed his sunglasses, and I saw that his eyes were sewn shut. I gave up a lot to become what I am now. The sight is meaningless to me, so I cast it off. It's all about that taste, brother. I'm going to show you the light, and then you're going to join my culinary cabal. I'm about to knock your socks off with this fresh take on a classic. When I put this in your mouth, you're going to feel like an ATM, because this is money. He stepped out of view and returned with a wheeled table, not unlike those you would see a cadaver on in a morgue. It was covered in macaroni and cheese. He took a large spoon off his belt and thrust it into the heaping mound, then turned to me and shoved it into my mouth with a dispassionate look. The spoon shattered one of my teeth. He loudly shouted, Cha-ching! Through the blood and the enamel, I could taste the cheesy mess. My sanity must have started to slip because it really did taste good. After I swallowed, he filled my mouth again immediately. This time it tasted slightly different, better somehow. There was a hint of something that I couldn't quite place. I chewed more and realized that it was bacon. I looked at Guy and he grinned again. You tasting that bacon yet? It really kicks it up a notch, huh? He started making sucking sounds with his mouth, then smacked his lips, belched, and ate some more of the mac and cheese himself. That bacon is made of long pig, if you know what I'm saying. I looked down and saw that strips of flesh were cut from my torso and legs. This and many more horrors were to be my fate for all eternity. It looks like I got myself into nothing but trouble. So yeah, there you go. There's the Wait. the flavor town. Was that nothing but trouble? Why? It's because it's a nothing but trouble reference. I believe this yeah. was because they're eating the hot dogs. Yeah, that's it for the pastas. I think I've padded enough time with just pastas alone. What I wanted to discuss was Halloween ends. Mm, yes, we've. So this has just come out. We watched it on Peacock. I didn't go to the theater to watch this. This is probably one of the most disappointing movies I've ever seen. I mean, y'all have heard me bitch about movies and remakes and stuff like that. I got really idiotically pissed off at the Pet Cemetery remake. That's documented here within the confines of this podcast. You will find somewhere where I was bitching about Pet Cemetery. But this movie, where to start? I wouldn't call it disappointing. It's it bad. just was it was shockingly bad. It was like supposed to be a big box office hit and it was like the worst C movie plot and unrelatable characters and just we'll say, I nonsense. guess we should preface this by saying that the characters are written unlike how real humans behave. Like yeah. their behavior and how they talk is people don't talk like yeah, that. It's and like an don't AI act like that. wrote a script trying to right. say how humans 
it's like a, a cold machine that didn't really know how humans worked wrote this fucking movie that's supposed to be the end of the Michael Myers story. The Michael Myers Lori Strode arc, as it were, that's been around since '78, and this is the big end all be all so like we got these characters that don't act like real people nobody in the world acts like a real person one thing we did like i'm going to point out some of the good things me and you both like the opening credits with the jack-o'-lantern graphic oh, yeah, that the, kept morphing i could watch that all fucking day it, those jack-o'-lanterns turning that was yeah. very good if you if you don't watch anything else from the movie you should just go feeling real good and real mellow it was something that would have held that. my attention for a long time if mm-hmm. I was on mushrooms or something like yeah. that. It's just neat to watch. The movie starts, and of course you got this guy. Fucking guy. Who you don't know is going to be well, the focal point of most of the movie. It starts with a babysitter. Yeah. You know, of course, in a, in a babysitting situation. The kid's a little cunt. God damn, that kid's and, uh, such a little shit. Shithead, like the mother is real strict. No horror movies, blah 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 blah. But like this dude lets him, lets kid watch horror movies. Yes, but this because he's being, she's trying to be cool. Yeah, but this is all happening. How many years had it been since Michael terrorized the town? Not that many years, like four years. If you've seen Halloween Kills, where everybody runs neck long at Michael at his knife. Basically, a woman shoots herself accidentally in the movie. It's just ridiculous, wild bullshit. But anyway, Michael gets away in the end after being, like, pumped full. So this is just, like, four years later. The way people are acting, this crazy maniac serial killer is on the loose for four years. He's always terrorized this one specific town. Right. (laughs) And there's some revisionist history going on big time. Because people think that, like, Laurie Strode abused this mentally ill dude into, like, yeah, going are, on a murder spree. People are very, very harsh on Laurie. My sister's in a wheelchair because you teased and taunted yeah. this mentally ill man. In this incarnation, they're not brother and yeah. sister. They retconned that. canon anymore. So, like, this crazy person who she'd never met just showed up in town. It was just because she was there. There was no connection whatsoever, but people are blaming her. Right. The town hates Lori Strode for her bringing him. He came back because of her. They hate her because he comes to town wanting to kill her. Yeah, and and there's collateral damage. She should obviously just sacrifice herself, and then he would leave everyone else alone. That's how every person in this town acts. Well, anyway, the the babysitter kid, the teenager, he's babysitting the the, the shitty child. Locks him in the in some kind of closet or it's the attic. attic he's not upstairs. a teenager. He's like twenty one. He's a college student, I think it said. But yeah, the babysitter thinks the kid escaped. The front door is open. Um, he he doesn't find him outside. He goes inside. He looks for him everywhere. The last place he looks is the attic. And while he's in there looking for the kid, the kid locks him in the attic. And like and yeah, this is a bratty, punky shit kid. And he says something like, "I mean, this dude's trying to be cool and letting him watch horror movies, even though his mom said no." And the kid says something like, "I'm not trying to be friends with the lame old boy babysitter or some shit like yeah. that." So he runs off and he gets locked. Uh, the 
the dude is this dude's name Corey. It's Corey, yeah. Dude's name Corey. He gets locked in that attic, and the kid's like, "Oh, Michael Myers is still out there." Da, 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 da. And yeah. the dude's getting real scared in there. And finally, he kicks the door open. The kid's standing right beside it. He goes over the banister right. and like fucking falls so violently. Right his after neck the breaks as the parents walk yeah, in. This is like a huge four-story house, so he flew. Yeah, he the fell with and all the force in the universe right. on his neck. Anyway, there's like a trial and all that. I think Corey had to go to prison for a little bit or something. Because it was then. just accidental. He wasn't punished that much. He, yeah, he, wasn't, he, was he, never didn't, he didn't get a murder charge. I think he was in jail, probably awaiting trial or something. Yeah, he, he probably did some county time. This is where everything goes that opening scene's what wow holy shit right, and, and this, this is where it all goes this to guy, fucking Corey, hell you know he's being the cool babysitter he goes to the fridge he grabs a beer out of the fridge looks at it and then he puts it back and gets yeah, some chocolate he milk because he's good he's a wholesome yeah right. person he's working for i guess his stepdad as mechanic he's like in there using a cutting torch and all that and like the stepdad gives him this shitty old motorcycle he found so he can get around because this guy rides a bike a bicycle everywhere mm-hmm. and anyway these fucking marching <laughs> band kids yeah, bully these- this guy He's an adult male, and marching band kids from high school are bullying him, trying to get him to buy him some beer. He won't. They push him down and break his chocolate milk. He falls down on it, cuts his hand, all this. Yeah, and then it's in a glass bottle. Lori Strode shows up, knows who he is, and comes to his aid. And she tells him, you want to do this or you want me to? And he gives him a switchblade to like go cut the band kid's tires, <laughs> which he does. And then like she brings this stranger, basically, who was in involved in a shady accidental death to the clinic just to meet her granddaughter which yeah. she's trying to hook this guy I up mean with. he needed stitches because he landed on that glass bottle right. in his hand. so he needed to go to the clinic but yeah he needed to she but was, she takes him specifically right she was like meet my granddaughter what a coincidence that yeah. you're single and she's single and like, she's a nurse great. here it was very cringy yeah it's like what's not, happening here not super in this movie? realistic human behavior right so anyway these two just hang out for a little bit so like they're in fucking everlasting internal love they really are five minutes of movie time later Did go you hang say out internal love <laughs> yeah or something like that she takes him to this halloween party and he's hanging out having a good time he cuts loose he gets drunk he's dancing he's doing some serious kevin bacon footloose spinning on his back on the yeah floor. he's lying on the floor in this in this club this yeah bar. he's idiot drunk yeah anyway she goes to piss <laughs> and he goes to the bar and like the mother of the kid that he was babysitting that died is there and she's like well it's nice to see you out having a good time even though you know and because she, you can't go out and have a good time for the rest of your life if somebody's shitty kid dies in your presence and apparently. obviously this is a few days before halloween but i feel 98 percent confident that she is wearing the same flapper costume that she was wearing that halloween night right everything's almost the same it's like she was there for like 30 minutes and did both her scenes in the same outfit he gets all upset about that because she's mean to him and like finally <laughs> Lori Str- granddaughter comes back from the pisser and he's like you left me all out there alone and he's like 
all distraught and leaves her. She is, of course, distraught. She is. To tears because, like, these people have known each other for all of fucking two days. And she's just so upset. I don't know. How hard is it to meet a man, even if you're Laurie Strode's granddaughter? I mean, she is crying her eyes out. He is so indignant and just, you know, you left me in there. And people are why I don't go out Uh in public anymore. And I trusted you. And you let me down. And it's like, Jesus Christ, she went to the bathroom. Right. This dude's mother is very overbearing. He seems like he would have been in trouble anyway because yeah. he's like a serial killer's mother. Yeah, she is like your stereotypical serial killer mother that is just overbearing and nagging and constant, just right. yelling and... Ugh. And like, you know, way overprotective. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I mean, I don't know. The dude's had some had some hang-ups in his life. So, mm-hmm. so she's Lori Strode's granddaughter, so distraught and crying over Corey leaving. Anyway, Corey is walking down the mm-hmm. highway. Marching band geeks catch up with him. And you got to picture these kids. You got two guys and two girls, I assume. I don't know. I never caught their pronouns. But the one leader guy, he looks a little bit <laughs> preppy the other guy has like a mullet like what's that band that chicken <laughs> in that south african band oh the anthem Yeah, look that chick up. Yolandi Visser. Yeah. So he's got that haircut going on and he twirls a drumstick all the time because he's a real bad motherfucker. <laughs> and then you got one girl that's constantly, oh my gosh, you guys, this is a bad idea. But then she still does, yeah. goes along with it anyway. But this is so bad. This is, you guys are so Yeah, mean. you're so mean. And, I'm going to stay with you and yeah. keep being complicit in this. Right. Anyhow, there's a scuffle, and he, the the leader of the gang throws him off the overpass, like on purpose. Yes, the clearly. leader of the mean the marching band, of the kids. marching band gang, and you know the one girl's like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that!" And he's like, "I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, he fell." Yeah, but anyway, he's down there, and he gets in. He wakes up, and there's a homeless <laughs> man down there. Under the overpass, who was deranged, of course. There's shit wrong with him. He's a crazy person, of course. He's homeless. When he comes to, I think, has he already been dragged into the pipe or someone is dragging him into the big drain pipe? Well, he's unconscious, and then you see somebody drag yeah. him into the big so, uh, rainwater of course, flood pipe. He wakes up in this pipe, and when he comes to... And it goes back in there and opens up into, like, a sewer. Yeah, I mean... Movie sewer-like setting. It's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mm -hmm. underground tunnel system. But he wakes up in there, and, of course, that's that's where Michael's been hanging out. For, like, four years. Yeah, apparently. Ducked back in this little place in the sewer. Yeah, and something weird, something weird as fuck happens... There's some kind of weird telepathy they make where they look at each other and it's like Michael sees all of Corey's life. And his trauma and, and all that. I guess that's how he decides he's going to be an ally. And it's not- the laziest, most yeah. unexplained, yeah. weird 
supernatural element to a series of movies that's not, at least in this universe, these, you know, the original 78 in this trilogy, there's not been any fucking supernatural shit. There's no old cult of the thorn, <laughs> Samhain, or Samhain, as they pronounce it. There's none of that. So they just make eye contact. Michael sees the shit the dudes went through, and then all of a sudden he's imprinted on him or I something. Guess. Yeah. And influences him. He's passing on the torch because he's old as fuck. Yeah, then Corey crawls out of the pipe, and then he's accosted by this crazy old homeless dude. Yeah, the homeless man's like, they let him, he let you live. Or, which like, I mean, I may apply that the homeless man, too, was imprinted by Michael Myers because yeah. he pulls a knife on him and says that he's Michael Myers and all this. Yeah, he's like, go back in there and get me that mask. I'm Michael Myers. Right. It was just real fucking stupid. So in the scuffle, Corey turns the knife on the, the homeless man and kills him. And then he gets the taste for blood. Yeah, and then so, like, he's a bad guy now. You know, well, oh, it's, yeah. it's funny because you can tell when, before he got thrown off the bridge, when he was getting picked on by the big bad band bullies, mm-hmm. that was a good alliteration, mm. his glasses fall off and they get stepped on and it's just, it was so cliche, like, oh, this is symbolic. He's turned from like this good guy that wears glasses and <laughs> now he doesn't wear glasses anymore because yeah. he's a bad guy mm-hmm. and it's his vision problems are all correct immediately because he's those Michael a villain. Myers powers. <laughs> I don't know. And you likened it to uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, where when Johnny Lawrence he tells Miguel he's like, "What do you got that thing for?" He's like, "Oh, I got asthma. This is my inhaler." And Johnny Lawrence is like, "Asthma's weak, and you're Cobra Kai now." Yeah, you don't have asthma anymore. And, and like basically for how... the rest of the show, he never had <laughs> asthma again. And this is how his vision was repaired due to the Michael Myers Apparently. powers. But yeah, so he's a bad guy now, and he actually drives the motorcycle. Lori sees him again and realizes he's different. Yeah. Of, and so she goes starting interviewing everybody in his life for some reason <laughs> and goes talks to her mother in which the mother is mad at Lori Strode because your boogeyman went away. Everybody needed a new boogeyman so they chose my son. Yeah, yeah. The mom, Corey's mom is literally blaming Lori Strode because Michael Myers isn't there terrorizing the town anymore so all they have to focus on is Corey being the a, new weird pariah. a bad guy because of that little babysitting mishap. It's just, God, this movie. So she goes and talks to the kid who died at the beginning, goes talks to his dad. And the dad said that Corey was a good kid. And he's like, there's no way... He's like, I knew that there wasn't any reason. He's like, I'm trying to prove my wife wrong. I know he was a good kid, and there was no way he could did that on purpose or anything like that, which they know he didn't do it on purpose. There's tons of evidence. But the dad said he pulled up. He was driving down the road and saw Corey walking down the road, and he stopped to look at him, and he said that wasn't the same guy. He said it was it was Corey, but it wasn't the same person. You and he know said, why? That wasn't because he the, didn't have right he's like that kid that mowed my lawn back in the day couldn't have killed my son he's like but that person i saw walking down the road was very different because he wasn't wearing glasses amazing and he was dirty 
I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's fucking stupid. He looked grumpy. Anyhow, <laughs> this is where part of the this is part of the movie where like my recollection gets shady. Him and Laurie Strode's granddaughter are like outside the fucking radio station, and like the radio DJ is a bully. He's the one that said, "Yes, yeah, because your grandmother tormented a mentally ill person into killing people." Like she yeah. teased him. Where the fuck does that detail, that lie, come from? because she didn't know him but yeah so he's a bully and of course I don't know if Michael or Corey takes him out I think it's Michael yeah it's Michael anyway Corey oh, and yeah. Michael are gonna oh, go man. be interchangeable here in a little bit his death was very very gory yeah a little over the top his head's on the record then cuts his tongue out and yeah. like makes the record skip and shit it, like yeah, that yeah it's very it was brutal is that real brutal this is a real brutal place <laughs> and then like the band kids are still after Corey and there's like this big rigmarole at the junkyard where Corey works where he, he lures them out there and takes them all out. But Corey at this point is wearing Michael's mm-hmm. um, jumpsuit. He's full Michael Myers regalia. Yeah. The bowler suit and all that shit. The preppy band kid shot the stepdad in the head. The stepdad gave him a gun Thought to go the, fight killer out there. The step, nobody has a real life human reaction. So the stepdad is like down on the ground and this kid pulls a gun and aims it at Corey, who's standing behind the stepdad. And instead of like, oh shit, he's got a gun, I'm going to stay down, the stepdad just like pops up and puts his hands up like, oh no, don't shoot, like as he's <laughs> pulling the trigger. Yeah. And so he shoots him right in the... So somebody's run over or something. Some of the kills are decent in this movie. That's mm-hmm. that's something to its merit. Anyhow, this, they all he kills all the band kids. And then Corey goes over to Lori Strode's house in full regalia, and she fights him. And there's a whole thing there. And then he was like, basically, if I can't have your granddaughter... We're we're missing a whole giant. Well, I I told you that I couldn't remember. Like it's my brain's trying to erase it. I know, but I'm just saying we forgot to mention that her granddaughter, who obviously we neither of us can remember her fucking name, but the granddaughter Lori's trying to tell her like I I talked to him and there's a darkness. There, it's the same darkness that I saw in Michael. And the granddaughter's like, you don't know what you're talking about, Grandma. Fuck you. You're senile. And you're, it was all your faults to begin with. And, like, Yeah, just turning your, on her. You're putting your shit on me. And it's like, you have been dating this guy for four days. And... <laughs> Allison. Allison is I mean, the granddaughter's name. It's just, too late to even get into it yeah. right now. But Allison... But Allison what, and Corey... Had made plans to just ditch, leave town, and they're going to take his little scooter and yeah, get the fuck out of bounced. Dodge. The Strode family should have bounced a long oh God, fucking time ago. That is. Why do you still live in that town? Why are you still so, in Haddonfield? So yeah, the. The granddaughter this whole time is completely backing Corey just blindly for 
I don't know. She, yeah, I don't. But, I don't get it. But it was almost to the point by. You know, by he now ain't that, giving good dick. I mean, he didn't. I don't know, man. He he looked like a like a scared little rabbit. Yeah, like looks I, like a bitch. He, he kind of does. I mean, he does look like a badass without his glasses on. There's very little redeeming things no, about this guy. She almost got to the point where you wondered, oh, is she gonna like team up with him and start killing people with him because she was just so in his corner. Well, if he's doing something wrong, he's got a reason for it. Hmm. Like, it was just weird, man. It's weird. Lori Strode implies that, like, you're, I guess, close to Michael. Your proximity to him somehow puts a darkness on you. That, like, she resisted. She's implying it with the way she talked. But anyway, the darkness is on him. And then what What does he say before he, like, tries to kill himself? No, he said something about, like, I don't know if I can't have her or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Something to that extent. Something all yeah, maudlin and fucking melodramatic. Very, you won't let me have your granddaughter, so I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, so that he stabs himself in the neck, and Lori <laughs> Strode's pissed at him for it. He's like, you stupid son of a bitch. And then as soon as... She pulls the knife out of his neck. Yeah, and this is like in, a big... Knife in hand, granddaughter Allison walks in. Yeah. What are you doing, Grandma? What are you doing? Meanwhile, uh, Michael's in their house. Yeah, like, Michael's, Michael's there, too. in the fucking... Up in the piece. Yeah, he's... Because he comes in and he finishes Corey off. Yeah. Which fucking... Was it a mercy killing? It was know. a mercy killing to the audience. Michael snuffed Corey out like a half-smoked Pall Mall 100. Like he was nothing. Which was appropriate because Corey was nothing. But yeah, he kills him, finishes him off because he's still not bled to death. Right, he couldn't even do that. Right. Yeah. Oh, but Corey had already. He did kill his mom. Yeah. He he had he killed several people. Yeah. So he's got a few on his body count because yeah. I, Michael is acting through him or some shit. It's never explained. He but, didn't even eat his gross, nasty black heart or anything. Right. <laughs> Not like <laughs> the fucking disaster and horrible, horrible movie that is Jason Goes to Hell. That's a movie they made to try to torpedo the franchise after New Line Cinema bought it. But Any, it's still better than... Yeah, it's still better. <laughs> still got so much more going for it than this movie does. Anyway, there's the big fight with Michael, Laurie Strode, and Michael fight. Just imagine you're the police and you're answering a domestic disturbance call from a nursing home. Uh, Michael's <laughs> finally subdued when he's, like, kind of crucified to the table with yeah. knives. And then, didn't she um, pull the refrigerator down on him? Yeah, he's and got, like, his, so he's not going anywhere. She fucking stabs him in the chest or neck and then, like, slices open well, his wrists. First she had the knife stabbed through his hand, didn't she? And he, like, well, as she's trying to do something, he pulls his hand out yeah. from under the knife, you know, and obviously yeah. completely he gets the upper hand, hand momentarily at the end and then Allison comes back to help. She takes off his mask. You don't see his face completely, but he's all <laughs> ragged out. You know he got burnt on the in Halloween the not 2018 Halloween. You know he got burnt, so he's just got white scraggly hair. <laughs> looks like an old man that'd been, you know, burnt yeah. years earlier and just looks like a scrawny old man. You see the side of his head. He's dead. Michael Myers is dead. 
for real, no bullshit, <laughs> you know, like the series tries to pull, which I'm going to oh, bitch about God. it later after we're done with this. But yeah, it's, they literally, like, uh, people pop out of the woodwork from like the last <laughs> movies that hadn't been in them. You know, they just popped up because they're like, hey, I'm here too. They basically throw Michael on top of their SUV yeah, and like parade him through town, like, like, yeah. tied to the roof. And all the people come out of the houses, candlelight vigil type shit. The black boy who's an orphan now because of him, I guess it's there, the black sheriff or whatever. And, you know, whoever, other people that have been vicariously affected <laughs> by yeah. Michael. And they all go to the junkyard where Corey worked and they throw Michael into the crusher, which is probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, it wasn't a crusher. It was a um, the thing that like yeah. a, a grinder, like a um, it grinds. You put like metal on it and it pulls in shit. while crushing. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like one. Of it's those, not a press, is what yeah. I was saying. Like it's yeah, not it's a not press the big press. Press. It's like the thing that just with teeth that spins yeah. like a um. What what the fuck am I thinking? A tree. Wood chipper, god yeah, damn. Yeah, like that. <laughs> it's like a wood chipper. So it's a more of a grinder than a crusher, and it mm-hmm. pulls it pulls in and crushes the same. You know the mechanism, yeah. but like it's awesome because it's a definitive fucking <laughs> death for Michael Myers since everything's always in the old series was like, no, it wasn't really him. He put it put his mask on somebody else yeah. or some convoluted bullshit that they kept churning out movies using. But he is pulled in, his body is crushed. They put his mask back on him and his head gets in there and his head pops like a pumpkin yeah, when it gets to it and it's great huge hunk of skull goes flying it, that was pretty it's pretty fucking awesome. great and this is something that happened I'll facetiously say stuff will happen like when Game of Thrones was on I was like you watch it'll be King Bran in the end because I, I was joking and then it happened and then yeah Bran was actually made king in the end of fucking wow. Game of Thrones and I felt like I made that happen by putting it out in the, with my intent, putting it out into the universe. And who has a better story than Bran the Broken? No one gives a fuck. Shut the fuck up, huh? Whenever we were watching this movie, I said something stupid like, you know, Michael Myers is not credited as Michael Myers. He's known as The Shape, which is the most pretentious fucking horse shit I've ever heard. It sounds like a... The Shape. No, it's fucking Michael Myers. It's fucking Michael Myers. It's a dude. I said something like, a lame like tagline tagline could be uh, something like evil never ends it just changes shape (laughs) you know i said it jokingly right and meanwhile throughout laurie strode is writing like an autobiographical crime thing or just about she's writing a a biography boogeymen in general because she covers like all this different stuff and she quite literally tops that at (laughs) the end of the book like her last or something to that something similar the changes shape thing and i just it was almost word for word i just wanted to barf it was it was it was hilarious because you were you just spouted off the most ridiculous asinine thing you could think yeah and and that was was actually what was in the movie like a big profound (laughs) moment Mm. in the movie it's very funny but yeah, I want to not think about that movie anymore. But okay. I'm going to continue bitching. Well, we got it out Stephanie's there Stephanie's got to sign off because it's very late. It is. And she's got an actual life and, you know, responsibilities. I got to go to work. I got to bring home that bacon, baby. 
something I'm, of course, a worthless layabout nowadays. That is not true. I haven't had to fold a towel in months. <laughs> I'm very basically vegetative. And, <laughs> but no. Stephanie's going to go to bed, so okay. I'm going to say goodnight to her, and then I'm going to continue bitching about stuff and mm-hmm. wrap this up because I it's very long and I've got to edit it. It's going to be a super-duper jam-packed episode. It is. I'm it's... not cut it into two. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to put Steph to bed, and I'll be back to bitch. <laughs> I'll say bye, Steph. Bye, Steph. This has been a One More Mosh Pit production. Available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Basically, wherever you can find quality podcasts. If you liked what you heard here today, spread the word. Or go check us out on Facebook. We have a page. You can come and like and follow us and keep up with all our stuff. And you know what? If you didn't like what you heard here today, keep that shit to yourself, huh?